Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Jesus, hallelujah, just wave your hands to Jesus, oh, glory, 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 glory be to Jesus, Father, we give you praise, we give you praise, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, you know, God is going to do some things here this evening, but let's start with the word, amen. Let's start with the word. And just as Pastor Shola said, open your heart for what God is going to be depositing in there this evening. Go ahead and have your seat. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. Um, I have so much I want to say, and I hope that I can get everything out in time. Amen. The allotted time. Amen. I'll read a few scriptures, so I'll read a scripture in um, a few translations. We'll pray and then we'll jump right into it. Psalm 90 verse 12. Um, This evening I'm speaking on seasons. Psalm 90 verse 12, New King James Version says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The International Standard Version says, teach us to keep account of our days so that we may develop in our wisdom. The Contemporary English Version says, teach us to use wisely all the time we have. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for another opportunity to minister to this your sheep. We ask, O oh God, that revelation knowledge will flow freely and unhindered by any demonic or satanic force. We ask, O oh God, that you anoint the ears that hear your word today. Let these words be deposited in hearts that will produce a hundredfold. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. I greet everybody. Do you feel greeted? Okay, all right, let's jump right into it. Amen. Um, This evening, I want to talk to us about seasons. Now, the scriptures we read says, teach us to number days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. The contemporary English version says, teach us to use wisely all the time that we have. You know, if somebody was to run um, a marathon, for example, a a marathon is 26.2 miles, and they wanted to finish it in about four hours, which is an average time that a seasoned marathon runner runs it, I believe. Um, You know that they would need to use the four hours very wisely and know what landmarks to look for to make sure that they are hitting their targets. It's not the last hour that they would suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I have 13 13 miles left. You know, let me try to make it up in one hour. No, they don't wait until the very end to see that they are making the kind of steady progress that they ought to be making. 
they have landmarks, you know, they look at, okay, this is where I should eat um, the first hour, this is where I should eat second hour, by the third hour, this is where I should be at, and by the, you know, 30 minutes left, you know, I have an idea. So that, you know, third hour, they realize that they are not quite there. They know how to pick up their pace, right? And if they are doing so well, they can relax a little bit because they've gauged it. They've looked at that journey and they've mapped it out. And they realize that, okay, every 30 minutes or every one hour, this is the kind of progress I ought to make. Um, it reminds me, I'm reminded of that movie, Overcomer, I believe it is. Uh, how many people have seen the movie here? Remember when our father was speaking in our ears and saying, you should be around here right about now. You should be around here and he knew what to tell her because he had kind of mapped out that journey. He had drawn it many times. He had kind of mapped it out in his mind and he knew where she ought to be. Now, Apostle Paul at the end of his life in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I said this um, a few months ago. I was preaching a message, I think, about vision. And I said that Apostle Paul finished this race with time to spare. How do we know that he had time to spare? He was alive when he said, I finished. So it, that means the remaining time was just play time, extra time. You know, most people were the ones who announced that someone has finished their race. Someone dies, and then we say they finish their race. Did they tell you? You know, there are many people that they did not finish their race. We are the ones that in celebrating their lives. It's not, I mean, we should be nice to the dead. We now say they finish their race. How do you know? <laughs> and they say many people don't finish their race. Many people don't finish their race. Glory be to Jesus. Now, the first scripture I read said that teach us to number our days. In other words, teach us to pay attention to that time so that we know how to live our lives. You know, the reason we divide time, we divide the normal um, division for time, the standard division for time is in years, you know, in years, in months, in days, you know, and it's good that we do so. Um, but there's a different kind of division of time that I want to talk about today. Time is divided into seasons. And that's what I want to major on today. The years are great. It's always good to evaluate your life every year, every birthday, you know. Not to the point of depression, you should be happy, you know. If there are things you thought you would have achieved by certain, you've not achieved, don't be depressed. No regrets in God. You know, you just encourage yourself and move on. But we ought to pay attention to the seasons of our lives because life is in seasons. Life is in seasons. So I believe that what the scripture is talking about here is not just in, the, in counting our years. Amen? It's not just in counting, you know, I'm this old, I'm this old. But in looking at the seasons and paying attention to seasons in our lives because God works in seasons. Just like to finish an um, a long race in an allotted time, you need to divide the journey into chunks to finish a great life, a great destiny. And by God's grace, like Apostle Paul, have time to spare. We need to see the seasons in which God has divided our lives into. Our life is divided into seasons. For example, I look at my life, you know, I've had different seasons of my life. I had seasons when I was married for about four years. We didn't have kids then. Actually, um, 
Okay. Um, no music. Thank you. Different strokes for different folks. Um, when I have music, I keep feeling I need to hurry up and start laying hands, which I should, but at the same time, you know, the examples I want to give, I feel like I can't give the examples. It's such a, it's such a, no, you can't give that exactly, and people be laughing when that serious music is going on. <laughs> so whereas some people flow with music, music puts me into a straight jacket, like, ah, you have to be holy. You have to, which I'm only, but I like some examples that make you laugh because sometimes at the end of the day, you might not remember my point, but you may remember the example and it will help you remember my point, amen. So, <laughs> anyway, you'll see that the jokes will start flowing now and the examples will start flowing. For example, when I was talking about years and birthdays and stuff, there are like five people in my life who are celebrating their birthdays today. And that's an, and I wanted to mention it, but then the music was going. I'm like, I can't be talking about five people having birthday. Okay, move on. You know, <laughs> well, glory be to Jesus. But I think about the seasons of my life. There have been different seasons in my life, both natural seasons and then spiritual, supernatural destiny seasons. You know, I had a season of four years where we were, um, you know, the first two years we were wait, we were kind of honeymooning and said we didn't want kids. And then when we we're ready, the kids said, eh, then they made us wait two more years. So um, two year, four years in total. And then I had the season when my kids were young. And um, I was juggling so many things, juggling ministry, juggling work, juggling all these different things. And then the kids grew older and I got, you know, and in the same vein, there were different kind of seasons in ministry that kind of flowed along with that. And then this is another season, glory be to Jesus. So there are different seasons of life and seasons have different characteristics. I want to talk about a few characteristics of seasons and to help impress upon our hearts why these seasons are important. You know, seasons have a start and an end time to them. And because of that, they create a sense of urgency. It's one of the reasons we need to live our lives in seasons. Not just live like life is just like that, like expressway, like highway that has no bumps. Just like that, going forever. No, seasons, life has seasons, and seasons have an end time, a beginning and an end time. And as a result, there's a sense of urgency to seasons. You know that some things you have to get done, you have to get done within a season. Now, for example, if you're a parent, you're raising kids, you know there are some things you have to have in there by five years old. You know, there are some things. Um, you know where I raised kids in the United States, we are kind of, okay, let me put it this way. Nigeria, we are very fast with our kids. Very fast, like, you know, you ask a mom, where's your kid, he's gone to school. At what age, you know, so young. You know, um, back where I lived, you know, the kid is just kind of still playing with stand and all that. It's just a different way of things. I remember when my son was about two and we came visiting and my, um, my husband's mom, my mother-in-law, mother-in-law, <laughs> she used to be a lesson teacher. So she saw him holding that pen, a pencil. And she looked at him, said, how can a two-year-old be holding a pencil like this? And she brought him to her side and was like, 
the sense of urgency with which he was doing it, like, you kids, you people, you are ruining this boy's life. He doesn't know how to hold his pen so well by the age of two. There was a sense of urgency because in our mind, it's a season. A man, I felt bad, but thank God he can write today. <laughs> but even in, nat in the natural, life is in seasons, right? There are certain things that ideally should be completed within certain seasons. Why? Because seasons have a beginning and an end. Even though um, some of those finish points may be blurry, but there is an idea of an end. Same way in our journey in destiny, which are broken, that journey is broken into seasons. Those seasons have a beginning and an and end point. And it's good because it creates a sense of urgency. There are some things you ought to do in a particular season, in this season, that if you push into the next season, you will be playing catch up for a long time. Number two characteristics of seasons that I want to talk about today. Seasons rise on top of other seasons. So a current season helps us to prepare for what's coming next. Seasons build up on other seasons. They build up on prior seasons. So at any point in life, the season you are in helps you to build up for what's coming next. Number three, seasons have peculiar requirements. Not every season. Two, two seasons may have similarities, but they have a lot of differences. There are different requirements for different seasons. For example, I am in a season where my kids are in college now, they are university. There used to be a time where the requirement was follow up on your kids every day and make sure they are doing what they are supposed to be doing. If I tried that, that was a requirement for that season. If I tried that now, I will become the nuisance that kids will use to joke with their, with their friends. Amen. In fact, when we dropped our um, daughter in school, they made declare to us. Somebody asked, a parent asked, Excuse me, and you could see from the way she asked that she was one of the parents of those ethical kids, you know, that uh, said, excuse me, how do we know what grades our kids are getting in their subjects so that if they are not doing well, we can help them? And the person said, your kid is in college. If they don't tell you, you don't know. <laughs> The mother was shocked. Said, what if they, have, if they don't tell you? Said, if you call the school and, they, and you ask them, what's my kid getting? You call the faculty. They said, they won't answer you. They will tell you to go ask your kid. What were they trying to communicate to that parent? Seasons have changed, and the requirement for this season is different. Now, it helps us to drop certain things and pick up certain things. There are seasons where we could have certain kinds of friends and it was okay. And then a season comes where you either drop some relationships and associations 
or you are stuck where you are at. You just can't move forward with certain seasons. I remember an example that Joyce Myers gave many years ago. She said that God showed her that a journey in life, your journey in life, just gets narrower and narrower. And that you may start off with all this. God was showing her in particular. There were certain things God wanted her to work on. That you may start off with all these bags and baggages, three travel luggages, four, four drag along bags and whatever. And as the road gets narrower and the image God gave her was a passageway that gets narrower and narrower, the Lord told her that you either choose to stay where you are at or drop some things. Because some of the things you are carrying just won't go into the new season. And she said she had to make a choice. She had to make a decision. You know, sometimes those decisions are not, I mean, all, most times those decisions are not easy to make. Because we want to carry things along, carry people along. We don't like change. Human beings don't like change. So people get stuck and stay in season after season after season. Season should have changed, but they stay in the same place because they don't realize that the requirement for the next season, or even the season that they may already, according to God's timetable, they may already be in a new season. But the requirements for this new season are different from what you are used to. Okay? So we don't just hold on to what's familiar. We find out what is peculiar about the season, what's required for the season. What do, I, what do I need to let go in this season? I mean, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor in Chicago for over 20 years now. It used to be so difficult for me to let people go. After people have told you, bye, I'm gone, I'll still be carrying them forever in my heart. I'll still be like, oh, I remember when somebody, somebody, somebody was still in my life. All I would need to do is just tell them this and they would make my life easier. Or tell them that and, oh my gosh. I wonder, God told me that. Either they are supposed to still be in your life or not. That's my business with them. You better find a, another way to get done what I've asked you to do. What was God telling me? That season has changed. Find a way to adapt to the new season. Find what the requirements for the season are. And get with the program. I used to be like that. But I had to learn to, for the sake of, so that I can move through my seasons quickly. I trust God at the end of my long life that I'll be able to say like Apostle Paul. I have extra time to spare, you know. Now, let's come. Come and waste my time now because I finished. I finished. So let's just come and just gist about nothing that makes nothing that's not going anywhere. I mean, I won't do that with my extra time, but. <laughs> but I've learned to move quickly, right? Quickly learn what the requirements for the current season and adapt very fast. Amen. It's so important because different seasons have different requirements. Some of the um, seasons of my life, I'll just run through some real quickly. There was a season when I had to settle the question of where I was going to get married to. Amen. Of course, I wasn't the one searching and looking. But when the right person found me, that season, I had to settle it and say yes. If I'd not settled it in that season, 
It's something that would have created a lot of complications down the line. I got my husband asked me if I would, you know, start a journey to the way we did it back then was very peculiar. Once a serious minded Christian, a serious minded, purpose driven, you know, knows what he's doing. Once he asked you, it wasn't like, let's try it out. It was like, yeah, we're not married, though. We're not married yet. And technically, it's not courtship, but it's like, it's with the intention that we are going to get married, right? So you start um, not acting. You start, yes, acting within the Bible. Amen. You start talking vision and purpose and a life together, you know? And you start planning to fulfill and obey, fulfill God's will and obey God together. Um, so there was a season where I needed to settle that. And it was important that that question was settled in my life in that season. Because a few months after that, less than a year, about 10 months after, 11 months after that, I was out of the country. Amen? If that question had not been settled, I would have gone where I was going in Oklahoma and just picked up one yeah, yeah guy. <laughs> Telling you, my life would look totally different today if I missed that season, if I acted like I had forever. <laughs> my life would look totally different today. So it was a season. Maybe you'd have a Pastor Bumi, Egyptian son today. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Unless it's another Egyptian son. But for Dr. K. Egyptian son, it's a May Egyptian son that I needed to be there. I'm telling you, if you've never um, had this revelation before, you may have figured it out already. His full name, Dr. K's full name is what? Olukayode. My full name is Olumayowa. What does Olukayode mean? What does Olumayawa mean? <laughs> it had to be K and me, amen. <laughs> but if I had not made the right decision in the right season, even though God had lined up this nice, cute thing, I missed it, amen. For me, there was a season for having kids. This is very important. It's something my husband and I talk, unless there are certain challenges and we are believing God for. It's something my husband and I talk about a lot, that even in choosing the number of children you are going to have, you need to be conscious of God's assignment on your life. That's a way you can express your desire to just have children, 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 that when that season of raising them has flipped into seasons of, for example, in our own case, going to the nations, you'll still be in another season because you didn't pay attention to even how you plan your family and the seasons of your family with the seasons of God's assignment on your life. Again, that's not because some people do. It's not that they are believing God and then it extends and what have you. So we do know that there are um, situations that make things a little different. But even in planning, there's a season for that. So I had my season for having kids. In fact, there was a time I was feeling 
Like, ah, was I not lazy? I had all my kids before 30. <laughs> so I had no kids on 30 onward. Ah, I used to feel like, ah, man, are you not lazy? You should have had, in fact, someone told me you should have had like two more, you know? But then, when I see the trend of God's call upon my life, I realize that that was the season to do so. So, there's a season for that. Um, God's seasons for everybody's life may be different, so, but I'm talking about seasons of my life. There was a season for me for raising kids while my husband traveled. It was a season that came with its peculiarities. A season in which I couldn't compare my life to others. It was a tough season. It was a tough season. <laughs> um, but I needed to know that it was a season. You see, when you know that it's a season, you may not know it's a season in terms of end point because there are some of those seasons that just seem like they're just going on and on and on. But you need to know at least what the requirements are for where you are at. You know, because people had their husbands around to help them with kids and everything. And there were times when I looked like a single mother. I remember when, um, during the pandemic, Dr. K was having this um, um, series um, where it was, I forget the title of the series now, but it was interviewing a different people about their journeys and stuff like that. And many people would talk about the times when it would come to Nigeria for four weeks, for two weeks, for, you know, for, and how in that period of time something would be deposited in their hearts. And you know when they were talking and talking and talking, it was comforting to me. Because it was comforting, but at the same time, like, what you were enjoying, somebody else was at home. Slodging through that season. Amen. Um, but um, it was a season. You know, I have a funny story to tell. Um, there was a particular time my kids were, were like, they are very close in age. They are about 19 months apart. So I think my daughter was about maybe 18 months, too. And her brother was 19 months older than that. You can calculate it. And uh, my husband was going to the Philippines for the first time. Philippines is far from Chicago. And so we decided to get a nanny, a nanny that would come. For some reason, I just never flowed with having a living nanny. That was just me. Um, so we decided to get a nanny, a Hispanic girl, that would come in the morning and leave at night. So the girl came for an interview. She, she liked the family. She decided, she decided she'd stay and do the work. And my work was like driving, my work then was drive, like driving from Lagos to Ibadan. It was 50 miles one way. So by the time I went back and forth, it was like, um, a hundred miles every day. So we had a visitor come in um, to visit us. He was preaching for somebody else and he, visited, he was staying at our place. And this was at a time when it was trendy. I'm sure maybe many of you didn't meet. It was trendy for guys to go around the house in boxer shorts. In Niger it was a trend in Nigeria. 
I saw a couple of people visit me and do. I'm like, ah, this is underwear you are wearing around the house. <laughs> so, this man was a minister of the gospel, was visiting us. Then, I'm at work. Then I get a call from this girl. She goes like, and she sounds like she's in the bathroom. Hello. Hello. There's a guy walking around in his underwear. I don't feel safe. I'm leaving now. Ah. I said, Lucy, please. My husband is in the Philippines. Don't leave my children alone. She calls me. I don't feel, I'm leaving in, I think she gave me like 15 minutes. So in 15 minutes, I had to find someone to come and take over from Lucy. And Lucy left. Up till today, I've not told them. You know, I've not told that minister of the gospel. <laughs> that he chased my, uh, my nanny away because she was scared. I mean, I would like to start explaining. She didn't understand. Amen. But then, you know, there's a season of releasing kids from the nest and discovering what's next. How do you know what season you are in? How do you know when you are living a season, going into a new one, how do you know how to prepare? One of the things I've realized that will always help you, no, not one of the things, what I realized will always help you to stay in tune with your season is spiritual growth. I talked about it in Le this in Lekki on Sunday. You know, many years ago, um, in the year 1995, to be precise, you know, I left Nigeria to go to the U.S. to continue my education there. I knew that God was sending me with an assignment. That assignment, what I saw of it was that God had placed on Dr. K, Reverend K's, Reverend Kayode Jishison's heart that the ministry was going to go beyond the shores of Nigeria and they had shown him the United States of America. And I knew that I was supposed to be a key part of it. I knew I was supposed to play a key part. So I left the country as a missionary disguised as a student. Now, I left at a time of a revival within our fellowship. I mean, Kingswell started at Victory Christian Fellowship. I left in the middle of revival. I left in the middle of much prayer much excitement in the spirit, so much was going on. And I left concerned that I would miss out. It was a big concern of mine that, Lord, please, I don't want to backslide. Now, when you talk about backslide, backslide is not until you start doing the dirty things in the booth, in the corner. In the... If what you were doing a month ago, a year ago, the effort you were making to grow spiritually 
a year ago, you look at your life and evaluate your life and realize that where you are at, it's, you are not at a place you were at last year, but you have not even made progress. What you've done was slide back, you know. That is backsliding, amen. But I, I was very concerned that leaving that atmosphere and going to a place where I would be by myself, that I wouldn't be able to hold on to what was going on, that I wouldn't be able to replicate it. I wouldn't have that atmosphere anymore. You know, before I left, there was another person that was very gifted, very, very gifted. I'm talking about giftings in the spirit. I mean, it was so sharp and so accurate in spiritual gifts. You could be sitting down here and it will tell you what's going on in your house. And when you get there, you'll find out that it was totally accurate. I think Dr. K has shared some of these stories before, like a group of people that they would write down, you know, in, in effect then, write down, this is what's going on. When you get to go to sports hall, in sports hall, there's somebody in room, whatever, whatever, one, two, three, his name is Shola. When you get there, this, this, this is what's going on in his life. And they'll tell them, hold on, and go to sports hall and find out that exactly what he said, what was, was, um, what was happening. This person was, out of all those people, was the sharpest. I'm going somewhere with this. And he was the first to go to the UK. And when he was going to the UK, we said the same thing. You are going to the UK because God is taking this commission to the ends of the earth. When you get there, God is going to use you as a forerunner, as a, you know. And don't, lo and behold, it was like the second, second bird that um, Noah released. <laughs> You know, the second part that I released <laughs> went and didn't come back. We just stopped hearing from him. Many years later, Dr. K saw him and... Um, so, because I was quite concerned. Like, God, you know, I know this is an assignment, but I'm going to leave all this thing going on here and go there by myself. When I got there, there are times when I would cry and pine for the atmosphere that I had left. But you know that many years later, it's like two streams. I pretty much, you know, I'm a disciple of the house, but I pretty much was discipled, a disciple of the house that was discipled outside the house. I was discipled on my husband's teachings that he sent through letters. That's how I was discipled. I was discipled on tapes of meetings that were taking place in Nigeria. That's how I was discipled. But you know many years later when I converged back with my peers, I realized that what had kept me from missing my, because I would have missed a lot of seasons of what was going on in the ministry and that it concerned me a big deal. But when I reconverged with my people, I saw that the only thing that kept me from missing my seasons was a quest for spiritual growth. 
Because no matter what was going on in my atmosphere or in my environment, that determination and that quest and that commitment to spiritual growth helped me to keep up with my seasons. Because I could easily have failed in that assignment. It was so easy. I could have found another guy. There were plenty of them. Some of them were cute too. I could have. And this was an age where, you know now people say I can't do long distance, I can't do long distance. There was no email. Let's start from the one people don't even use. How many people who are in love communicate by email? <laughs> there was no email. There was no WhatsApp. There was no Instagram. No Facebook. No video call. Video call. A letter took one month one way. Your response took one month to get back. So every correspondence was two months in between. But I look back now and the only thing I could have failed. So the relationship could have failed. But beyond the relationship, what God is going to, you know, account that time for in heaven. You know, there are some things God won't account. Five years go by. You know, there are some things in those five years that heaven will jot some things down for. In everybody's life, let's say in the next five years. In the next five years, there are some things you will do that will go into the books of heaven that everyone will recognize. There are some things that's none of God's business. Mm -hmm. You know, so relationship would, I mean, many opportunities for it, much, much, much room for it to fail. But the assignment that God sent me to do could easily have failed. But the only thing that helped me, that kept me, or the major thing that kept me, was a quest for spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is so fundamental, is so important for your life and for your destiny. We know that every living thing has to grow. Everything, if you are going to be living, you are going to need to grow. But you know, we pay attention to natural growth. We pay attention to mental growth. But many times people don't pay attention to spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is something that is measurable. It can, you can determine if you are growing spiritually or not. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on, I feel close to God. Or I don't feel close to God. It's measurable. Spiritual growth can be intentional because there are activities that cause spiritual growth and there are activities that may entertain us but they don't necessarily lead to spiritual growth. So it's important to be wise in knowing what activities in my life actually ultimately lead to spiritual growth. And what activities just excite my flesh? Now, the excitement is good. Christianity is an exciting, yeah, it's an exciting, if you look at it as a practice or part of your, it's exciting. It's exciting to come, to dance, to have fun, to fellowship, to, to have friends, to have all those things. But some things are like candy or dessert, 
but they are not the main meal. Dessert is good. Although as you grow older, you have to watch out. Amen. I can't indulge the way I used to. I'm still indulging more than I should. But um, if you fed on cakes all day, you know, you could grow, but not the way you want to grow. <laughs> Why? Because it's not everything that's labeled food that is actually food. It's not everything that has the label of food that has the nutrients to cause you to grow. There are activities that we engage in that have nutrients for us to grow. And there are activities that we engage in that are good to have. You know, they are nice to have. But they don't really have the nutrients that will cause you to grow. So you need to pay attention to your growth and the activities that will allow you to grow. Some of the activities are some things that you find boring at the beginning. Amen? Just like a cake is sweeter than a bowl of vegetables, right? Um, just like a candy tastes nicer than what? Tell me something that is super healthy and just like... like even your mouth is already there. But you know that one may be nice to the mouth, but it's not good for the body. It's not great for the body. One may not taste so nice. It may take some discipline to take in, but it's what your body needs to grow. So it's not every activity that believers engage in that leads to spiritual growth. Some just lead to a whole bunch of excitement. Some lead to a whole bunch of, oh, you know, um, yeah, excitement is the best word to use. But they don't when the rubber meets the road. They don't lead to strong believers, to strong Christians, to Christians who can withstand tough times, to stalwart Christians, to stalwart believers, to believers who are hitting their milestones, who are meeting their seasons. There are some activities that raise fair weather Christians. Christians that are good when the weather is nice. <laughs> Amen. Because it's not how tough the battle is, so it's not how tough the challenge is, it's how tough you are. Amen. You know, I realize that, you know, there's no way offenses will come as a result of doing life, doing church, growing together, growing in community. Offenses will come, will offend one another. You know, as a pastor, I've realized that it's not how great the offense is. It's how strong the people are. There are seasons when little offense, little offense will cause people to fall. And then there are seasons where you know that, yes, this person should be offended. And right, yet they are there. Why? Because they are strengthened with might by God's spirit in their inner man. That's why the apostle Paul, when he prayed for, he prayed what we call the Pauline prayers. When he prayed for them in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, he was praying prayers that lead to growth. When the eyes of our understanding are flooded with light, a prayer, pray prayers like they should be without offense. They should be blameless without offense until the day of Christ. You know that prayer is so important? It's so important because we will offend one another. We will offend one another. It's not, 
you know, as a leader, you're always trying. You're always trying. Okay, I know this is offensive, so I'll stay with try. <laughs> but just like Pastor Shola and I were having a conversation um, today. And I think we come to the conclusion that niceness slows down growth. When I'm so nice, I can't tell you the truth. I can't tell you the truth. You have something that's going to kill you, but I'm too nice to tell you. Let's get rid of this thing. My niceness can kill you. Amen. So, but sometimes in addressing issues, it can be addressed in an offensive way. The way you find offensive. But if you are strong, that offense will not take root. You won't take the opportunity for it. Why? Because you are growing. You are no longer a baby. Amen? So that's why Apostle Paul prayed prayers for them, like what we see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. It says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. In Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 9, it says, Since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty powers. There's so many rich things in here, but I'm not going to go there this evening. You know, there are some things that lead to spiritual growth. And one of the, the, I'm going to talk about four activities real quickly that lead to spiritual growth. I don't know how much time I have left. Okay, all right. The first one is meditation. The Bible says in the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We can read the word, we can study the word. Pastor Shala was talking about this um, on Sunday. And we can meditate on the word. We need to have the habit of meditating on the word on the go. And thank God the word can go with us everywhere we go now. You know, when I came into the country like two weeks ago, I met somebody at the airport that has been saying some funny things about my husband and I in Chicago. We've heard some things that he has said about us. So, of course, you see the first thing you do, your flesh goes up. But I made a decision right there and then. I said that this encounter is not going to increase offense. At least, it may not take care of everything that's already, but it's not going to increase the offense. So I went, I called him, I shook his hand. 
Then we went to baggage claim together. And he was standing there, I was standing there. My flesh was finding it difficult because my mind wanted to replace some of those things because we've, we've been involved in this person's life and some of the things that we did for this person when they were up and coming, you know. Some of the things they said just were just ungrateful. And my mind wanted to play it. So you know what I did? I got out my phone and I went to Philippians chapter one from verse nine to eleven, right there in the baggage claim. I started to meditate in TPT. He said, I continue to pray for your love to go and increase beyond measure. Hmm. Increase beyond measure. Then I went down and I read the in verse um, 10 that says that becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. So I meditated, I broke it down. Pastor Shola gave an example of how you can break down the scripture when you are meditating on Sunday. Go re listen to that message. Excellent, excellent. I caught just the tail end of it, but oh, powerful message. Yeah, yeah, yep. Powerful message. So by the time I meditated on this scripture, what I saw there, which was something new, was that the measure of love in you, he talked about a measure, then he talked about no offense. The measure of love in you can overwhelm the offense. That was, I won't go through the process of how I connected, connected, connected to get there. But at the end of the day, that was what I got within a few minutes. And then I said, Lord, you're loving me. I pray for the, because this was a prayer. I pray for the love in me to overwhelm the offense. I pray for your love in me overwhelms the offense. Your love in me. And then I'm like, what can I do to demonstrate it? He had a book in his hand. So I said, can I have that book? Let me see the book you are reading. I took the book. I read it a bit. Hmm, great. I gave it back to him. I did well. Amen. But what did I need to do? I needed to take out the scriptures and meditate on it on the go. Don't be afraid of doing that. There's somebody who annoys you at work all the time. Take the scripture, meditate on it. Instead of meditating on what they have done to you, they have done, they've, they've said about you, meditate on the scriptures. You know, I gave an example of Philippians 419 when I was sharing this, I think in Lekki. I won't go into that again. But when you meditate, what you are doing is taking out the nutrients from the word and digesting it. You know, what does digestion do, right? Your digestive juices, they work at the food. They break it down in such a way that your body can absorb it. Because if your body does not absorb the food, it won't do you any good. Okay, it's what your body cannot absorb that then stored as fat and then you pass out and all that. But you, your digestive system has to work on that food. Nobody can digest for you. Nobody can digest for you. Same way nobody can meditate for you. Nobody can digest the word for you. The things you hear, the mess messages you hear are good, but then you need to go and meditate because you are crunching the word. You are chewing it. Just like the cow, the goat chews the cord. The cord is all going. What they do firstly, they first take in the food into the first stomach and then 
at a later time, they regurgitate it and then they start breaking it down because it takes that level of granularity for it to do them good. Sometimes the reason why the word is not changing your life the way it should have is because you are not breaking it down. You may be memorizing it, you may be skimming through, you may be reading five, ten chapters a day. There's a time for that. But then you now need to chew it. You need to sit down. Begin to see your, the, yourself in the word. Begin to use the word to reprogram your mind. That's what the Bible says in the refers to in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. About renewing our minds. That you are not conformed to this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because change starts in that with the images in your mind. And the only way to change the image in your mind is through meditation. Because meditation also involves picturing yourself in the world. I tell you, we're all operating based on programming. Well, and that programming started the minute you were born. The minute you were born, the devil started working. See, so even people that grew up in what seemed like the most perfect family, they have some programming that needs, still needs to be reprogrammed. There are some people is programming about marriage. Everything they saw about marriage was wrong when they were growing up. Everything. So they get into marriage and they are surprised. They are acting it out. They are, it's a programming. But it's up, lost up, it's not lost. That's why we have the word. You meditate on the word to reprogram your mind. Amen? Amen. Glory be to Jesus. All right. And then you are transformed by the renewing of that mind. Number two is prayer, especially in the spirit. Bible says in the book of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without season. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. And Jude 1, 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, most times is bad. Covetousness is bad, but there's a kind of covetousness that's good. Amen. Uh, when Apostle Paul can say to a whole church that, I pray in tongues more than you all. We should covet such things. Don't covet people's material things. Covet their spiritual life. Covet their fervency. Amen. Someone says, how much praying in tongues should I do? Pray until you can say this. Pray until you can face Pastor Shola. Pastor Shola, I pray in tongues more than you. It's not dishonor. Yes, I honor you, sir. I pray in tongues more than you. Covet Pastor Shola's prayer life. Covet Mrs. O's prayer life. Before you covet the shoe, the bag, the wig, the covet the spiritual life. It's time for us to say when we see people who are fervent, who are on fire, instead of saying, oh, it's them. They are just deep like that. They are, ah, it's Pastor Toby. That's how she is. She's deep like that. How about you? Do you want to meet your seasons in life? Do you want to meet up with your deliverables in every season? Be deep like that. Amen. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Instead of looking on Instagram and looking at people's vacation, God went, God went. Look at people's spiritual life. <gasps> what? You prayed the talks for how many hours? When? God? When? <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, I have about four more minutes. Plug into Christian community. You know, we grow in community. We don't do well in isolation. When we try to do it in isolation, especially when we have access to Christian community, we are just making it difficult or impossible for ourselves. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, says the man of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you, consume, lest you be consumed by one another. Without community, we can't do so much of script. We can't do this without community. Where are you going to serve? By yourself? To serve, you need to be in community. There are different reasons why we need to be growing in Christian community. And I'm talking about plugging into Christian community, not just visiting the church. Some people stay on the peripherals of the church because they don't want to get hurt. Said, I go to that church, I like the word, I like the pastor, I like Pastor Shola, but ah, I've been hurt by Christians, I'm not going to get involved. You are not doing church. You are not doing church. Because part of growth is to get hurt and heal correctly. Amen. It's a quick way to grow. For somebody to hurt you, and especially if they don't have to come and say sorry. For someone to offend you and for you to self-recover between you and God, you have grown. And to heal correctly. See, if someone breaks a bone, there are two ways that bone can heal. If they just take them to a quack doctor somewhere, and the doctor just, okay, 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 let's just, blah, blah, blah. The person may heal, but the bone may be healed like this. Why? Because the doctor did not set it properly. So it healed, it fused back together, but it fused back together wrong. Many believers are fused back together wrong. They say they are healed, but healed wrong. So now they have principles all around their life. Principles that break all, everything the scripture says about love. I've forgiven, but I've not forgotten. I forget. Even see, you see, I forgive, but that doesn't mean you allow me to. I allow you into your my space again. I forgive, but it's healing, wrong healing. The bone is fused, but it's fused to back together wrong. When you heal and heal back right, you have grown, and God can trust you because it gets to a point. Look, you may be in a season right now where it seems like it's the most difficult Christians that are coming your way. Difficult people. Difficult. Embrace the season. Because if God knows you can deal with them, and you can still be okay, then he knows I can send anybody this person's way. But you know what? We want people that we are likely to like. People that are like us. 
You know, there are some grades you can't get into without certain tests. Mm -hmm. And the most difficult, the, most, the more significant that grade is, the more difficult the test. Coming into Christian community allows you to pass a lot of tests. Tests you cannot pass on your own. So it's a big part of growth. It's a big part of growth. Amen. Okay. And fourthly, plug into service by being a disciple-making Christian. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's one of Jesus' last, last instructions to us, for us to be disciple-making Christians. Disciple-making all the way from reaching out to the lost to walking alongside a Christian in their spiritual growth to making yourself available for leadership. Being a disciple-making Christian. You see, if you are going to make disciples, then you yourself will be forced to grow. The quickest way to learn something is not just to learn it yourself, but to learn it and teach it to others. Um, if I'm coming here, I came here to speak to you, I needed to know a thing or two to be able to share with you so that I won't come and embarrass myself, right? Disciple-making causes you to grow because even you don't want to embarrass yourself. If someone is looking up to you, if there were things you wouldn't do normally, if, there were, if you wouldn't pray enough or you wouldn't study the Bible, the fact that you are making disciples will provoke you to growth. Mm -hmm. So the last piece of the puzzle that I'm going to leave with us this evening is that we are committed to discipleship making or disciple making. We are committed to discipleship, not only in being discipled, but discipling others. What's been committed to you to teach others will be able to teach others also. That's the essence of Christianity and Christian growth. We need to be growing, and we need to be growing by putting into others. Make yourself available to be made a leader. Don't run away. Yes, you may need to pass a few things. Yeah, all the bad, bad things you are doing in the booth in the back in the corner, you may need to stop. You will need to stop. You should stop anyway, because, because there's no way you are growing in leadership. Some things that somebody may be hiding become exposed to light for your own good. For your own good. So you grow past that nonsense that's not exhibiting your righteous nature. Amen? Amen? I'll leave us with those four things and enjoin us. Ask us to commit to those things. And a lot of it is going on in this season. And finally, I'll leave this word that God put on my heart. You know? Um... There are a lot of people who are moving and becoming, going into the world in this season.
I know God needs people in the nations of the world. God needs people. God needs people in America where I live. There's a lot of craziness. You all see it. The things that they are doing to young people, young kids and putting into their minds. God needs people. But if we're not committed to spiritual growth, maybe you are here, you are praying, you know, you have an opportunity or you are working towards an opportunity. Maybe in a few months you'll have a visa. If you are not committed to spiritual growth, God's purpose for sending you out of this country will be converted into your personal comfort. See, there are people who are being sent out, who should be, who, are, who have had enough invested in them, that they can start churches, they can start the... They go and the most they are doing is serving as an usher in a church that doesn't even believe things, that doesn't even preach things you believe. Why? Because we live, we go into certain places and it becomes about our comfort. These are the end times. Someone says it's not the end times. These are your own end times. Even if Jesus doesn't come in, in your lifetime, it's your own end times. And there's a sense of urgency with which we ought to live our lives. There's a sense of urgency with which we ought to live our lives. There's much to be done in the nations of the world. When I went with my husband to Asia for the first time, I came back crying. I came back crying because there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of, there are places they don't even allow you to bring in the Bible. But there are creative ways to still preach the gospel in those places. And there's something God told me, I'll tell you this. I've never said it in an open gathering like this before. There's something God told me about the Nigerian spirit. There's an aggression about us. They know it in the nations of the world. Other African countries know it. Some hate us for it. Some align with us because of it. God told me that he needs that aggression to push into some nations. But we take it to go and make money. We take it to go and be top something, top something. There's nothing wrong with being top something here and there. But there's everything wrong with it. When we are not committed to things of eternal value. When our commitment is only with things that will perish with this world. Amen. Amen. We ought to look at our lives and say, what's the eternal component in the things we devote our times to? The need is great. That's why Jesus said, he said, pray for laborers to be thrust into the field. And this is city people are being thrust, but pray that they will be laborers. There's a lot of work to be done. My husband said that when he f went to Asia, he looked around and he said that there should be more of us here. He hasn't been in a few years because of COVID, blah, blah, blah. We need to st start thinking of him going back. And then Nigeria needs it, you know. And that's why he said there needs to be more of us here. You know. But believers, God gives us a little comfort we are chasing the next thing. He gives us a relatively big house. We are chasing a bigger house. 
It gives us uh, the people you were comparing yourself with at this level. God has raised you. Now you are comparing yourself to people at this level. And then he raises that prosperity you are believing him for. You will get there. If you will practice the principles of faith, you will get there. So relax. The money will come. That's why the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18, remember when it comes. He told them before it came. Because it's going to come. But remember, because God knows the nature of human beings. But if you are always going to be chasing after spiritual growth, with activities that bring about spiritual growth. Amen. Amen. There's something about spiritual growth that just aligns you. Like maybe you are going off, you are going off, it just keeps you aligned. And it helps you to thirst for the right things. And then when you see poison, you are like, no, no, no. My body cannot digest that. I'll leave it alone. With these few words of mine, Glory to Jesus. That's why I had and raise our hands to him. Over mantra dosta. Eke pala diakuraba jepre dosta vala diakuraba jepre doshte. Livre hosople di karaba jepre osokologo yogotoro bojempre doshta. Eke kekeraba zopla di karaba jepre osokologo yogotoro. You know, when you are on an assignment for God and you, are com- you commit your life to God's assignment for your life, there are just some things you will need to struggle with because it's part of the assignment. It will open doors because it's part of the assignment. I remember when they were doing many years, this was many years ago, when it should have been more difficult than that. When they were processing, uh, my workplace was processing um, my husband and I's green card. In one year, 20 months, we even told them to pause because he needed to go to Nigeria for a while. We told them to pause, come back. So quickly, why? He needed, it's part of the assignment. There are some people who are agitating. There's something in you that tells you that you ought to go to some place or the other. Instead of agitating, grow in this season. Grow in this season. And some of the things you are agitating about will walk into your life because it's part of the assignment. I want us to commit to God's assignment for our individual lives today. And it's assignment for your life as part of the new. Just in case you've not said it lately, say, God, I commit to your assignment over my life. I commit to what you want to do with this life. I commit to the seasons that you have scheduled for my life. I commit to walk in step with you concerning my seasons, in my seasons. And Father, wherever I may be out of alignment, Lord, I just ask you to show me how to get back in alignment. 
I give myself to you. I give my life to you. I ask that you do what you want to do with my life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I give you praise. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.